0: Robbie Holmes and John Hosh. Welcome to episode 24 and 2023, folks. Good to see you. Hop, I'm Robbie. Hop, 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 happy New Year! Hey guys, it's John.
1: Welcome to the podcast.
0: Um, so this episode, uh, we're gonna, uh, as you saw in the title, it's uh, our, our main review is going to be about White Noise. Um, I think the other thing that happened this week is uh, with the Oscar short lists being dropped uh, about two weeks ago, um, I spent a little bit of time trying to dig in and find some of the shorts uh, because I feel like that's always a mad scramble to the end. Uh, And uh, in the end, I I found a lot of them and John and I were able to Mm. watch a bunch. So this is really exciting to dig in and get a chance to uh, flex different cinephile muscles. and see some things that are normally not on my radar. So uh, it's really great when the short list drop, because it gives us a little bit of an opportunity to catch up. Uh, yes. And I feel like th- this year's uh, batch of shorts is really good. I, I watched a lot last year, but uh, this year I was really impressed. So um, let's jump yeah. into what. Tele- Go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I was just to say, uh, I think for this episode, they're predominantly um, mostly animated shorts. Um, yep. But there, I think there might be a couple of non-animated shorts on there. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The animated shorts is really took over most of it. I also, uh, took a breath after the one non-animated short because it's pretty heavy. Um, mm. and, uh, even the animated shorts this year have a lot going for them. Like they're, yeah. they're really meaty stories in some of them in, in like, you know, eight minutes or six minutes, uh, save Ralph as an example is a very short, uh, animated short that has a lot to say. Um, mm-hmm. but watch some television this week. Let's jump in over there. Um, so I'm going to start us off. Um, I've I've been watching the heck out of Fleischman is in trouble. Um, I, I've been holding on to it uh, and doling it out an episode at a time. And this week we we gave in. Um, and over the last two weeks, uh, we watched episodes three through seven. So I have the finale I'm holding on to. Um, oh. I cannot get over how good um, everyone is in this show. Um, Jesse Eisenberg as Toby is fantastic. Claire Danes you see very little of her until like the seventh, the sixth episode. And then the floodgates open. You just get Claire Danes like elevated in, in the final two episodes I've watched. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lizzie Kaplan is kind of uh, stealing the show as the narrator. um, And we get a chance to, it's so interesting to have that comforting voice of, of Lizzie Kaplan through the entire Mm -hmm. show, because the show is mostly through Toby's eyes. So for the first, yeah. like, five episodes, it's all Toby, and then it flips over, and you get to see a little bit from Rachel's perspective. Um, but Lizzie is still sort of the narrator.
1: Right, and this this is the show that, um, Jesse, is, is this kind of like an absentee mother, in a sense? Like, it's the, yes. muster, the mother has disappeared, and Jesse Eisenberg is the father of, of uh, I believe, two kids, and they live on the Upper West Side in New York. and Yep she's disappeared or something like that right
0: yeah the the show opens basically with her dropping off the kids uh at his house before dawn Mm -hmm. um and uh he's not home and she leaves Mm -hmm. the kids in in his apartment and he comes home to the kids being there a day early um Mm -hmm. and uh then she's non-communicative so that's how the sort of he texts her he calls her and and then the show unfolds from there Cool. Uh, and I'm really impressed with the show. I think the story is also really you know, interesting because you get a chance to see as a person who went through a divorce in his 30s and, and living in New York City, uh, one of the things it captures really is that like the entire world feels a little bit different for a little while um, mm-hmm. than what you were just because li- you lived with one lens and then you pivot to you're no longer married, you know, like all these things change and and the environment around you seems to almost t- take on a different look and feel because everything has a different connotation when it's no longer you and your partner and it's you meeting people. It's you, you know, like all, all this, everything changes, your neighborhood changes. Like mm. there's an amazing shift that I feel like the, the writer uh, really captured uh, as somebody who's been through a similar through something like that. And uh, mm. it, it really, I, I'm really impressed by all, all the casting across the board, but also the, the, each episode feels like a mini movie and it's not because of the length. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a punch and there's an arc and there's it, it, it. really the writer who wrote the book it's based on is also the person who wrote this, the brought it to the screen. Oh, cool. um, and I think that's a, that's a big deal. Um, yeah.
1: Many times that's, that's, that's the way to go. Sometimes not like, I think that sometimes uh, authors can get in the way of, of a different medium, but I think, generally it's it's really helpful to have them on board
0: and the creator is taffy Brodresser ackner so i i'm i'm going to it's a long name that i figured i would fumble but um really <laughs> amazing i i'm i'm planning on listening to the audiobook after i finish the series cuz i just want to see what was different but mm. i really uh i couldn't be more impressed i feel like there's an, a lot of really good television in 2022 and this should be near the top of the pile for most people mm.
1: Cool. Uh, and you can find it streaming on Hulu. Uh, it's on FX weekly, yep. I, I would imagine. And then in if you're listening overseas, I'm assuming Disney Plus.
0: Very likely. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me
1: about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The other I one was, I was
0: going to mention is George and Tammy. Um, we're so- fumbling
1: over our segues. <laughs> I was trying to throw you the ball.
0: I know. I know. Uh, George and Tammy is uh it's the story of uh, Tammy Wynette and George Jones. Costanza. Um and uh, it's played the the two titular roles are played by Jessica Chastain and Michael Shannon. Um mostly I just want to call out that this should be on your radar. It, it, there's mm. there's a lot of story going on here. I I it's not a story I'm familiar with. Uh, we've watched the first 5 episodes over the last 2 weeks. Mm. Um it is impressive what Jessica Chastain and Michael Shannon are doing, <clears throat> filling these roles, but also they're singing They're So they're, they're not only filling the boots of these people, they're also filling the microphones, which I was really surprised by and how effective they really are. Cool. Um, they also have crazy chemistry, like Jessica nice. Chastain and Michael, Michael Shannon has chemistry with ever I think he's just a guy who vibrates all the time. And, and in this case, he's playing it really subtle and like, like a defeated broken man and mm-hmm. and that's unbelievable to watch because he and Jessica just really vibe. Uh, the, the scenes between them uh, are electric, especially when they're getting to meet one another for the first time, and you can you can see the electricity, the sparks between the two of them. And and I think uh, just also all the the players who are playing around them are also really impressive. Um, I mean, Steve Zahn plays a, a character that's part of the world, and he is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Walter Go- Walton Goggins is there like you've got some really good actors in the sort of supporting roles on this show so much so that you may see them get nominated for Emmys like I, wow. I-, I think Walton Goggins is-, is fantastic in this and and I think Steve Zahn is he's almost unrecognizable on top of it like he's got really weird I think it's a mullet and a goatee and it just That's doesn't so look weird like about Steve that. Zahn. It just doesn't look like him and and right. he's playing sort of a doofy version of himself. And I, I always feel like he's such a charming and handsome and affable guy when he plays characters. So it's interesting to see him playing George Ricky, uh, who's sort of like almost the tour manager, you know, but he's he's not he doesn't seem himself in the role. And I think he gets he, he seems like he's lost himself into the character, which I really love. Um, but it doesn't look like Steve's, it doesn't feel like Steve's on. So that's why I, I called it out specifically. Cause I was like, Walton Goggins can, can play all kinds. He's played broad characters before. I mean, he's baby Billy in the righteous Gem- The So there's a lot going on for that guy. Uh, but mm-hmm. this was a really, it's a great turn for Steve's on to get a chance to play this, this character against this caliber of top tier talent in the, in the, at the, at the time, at the top of the casting.
1: Cool. Um, I didn't get to watch a lot of television this week, but I did happen to catch uh, a new show that a new miniseries that's on Netflix called Kaleidoscope that a lot of people are talking about. Um, uh, in essence, this, it's a it's a heist it's a heist miniseries that uh takes place um over I think like I think it takes like uh like thirty years or something. It's like a, the time frame is 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 pretty vast. Um, and it stars Giancarlo, Esposito, Rufus Seawall mainly, and then the, the ensemble cast of the people who are, uh, helping with the heist is, is pretty vast and cool. Um, the thing that, that stands out about this episode, uh, this mini series is that each episode is kind of self-contained, uh, and they're, they're designated a color. So there's a bit of a color theme, um, and, um, You can supposedly watch uh, this in any order you want to, as long as you watch episode white at the end. Um, And I've been seeing articles and and people talking about online where this is like they they tell you, like, this is how they watched it. This is how they wish they watched it. Um, It's 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 interesting. I'm 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 not like blown away and I and I'm not like this is this is the future of television at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's it's it's. It's entertaining um, and, and and I think it's kind of cool to kind of get a you know it's almost it's kind of like it's not choose your own adventure but it's like they're choosing the adventure that they want you to see mm-hmm. um, currently i've I've watched it in the order so far with green yellow violet orange is so far what I've watched um, it's interesting where some reviewers are saying like like this is this is how I wish I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might go back and kind of give it a second viewing when I'm finished and like, you know, choose, choose like someone else's suggested way of watching it. Um, but you know, I think there's the, 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 the performances are, are fine. Um, I think it's a bit of a novelty. Um, but you know, it's, 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 it's interesting and, uh, I want to see it through and, I want to get the full experience, so so yeah.
0: The the trailer I watched it seemed like the production design was really sharp, like it was trying to sort of feel almost like Ocean's Eleveny or or something. Sure, does it have that yeah. that level of slickness? Does it feel?
1: Yeah, it, you see, like you see, you see the money on screen. You see the budget, uh, not just with like the amount of characters, um, but also like the the effects the locations especially and um and the thing is like they are trying to break into the world's hardest vault to break into um so that's kind of the challenge that that they are up against and i think the vault is like two floors and you know it's like a huge thing so yeah um uh, uh, from the from the from the TV that I've worked on, I I noticed some of the locations uh, that they filmed in this, and I was like, oh, I've filmed there too, and I was like, oh, that's a really expensive country club in like <laughs> in upstate New York, so that's not cheap. So yeah, there's um there's some money on screen.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was my first thought when I watched it was like, wow, they, it, it, this has got a cast. They spent some money. And then I started looking at the production design. And I'm like, God, this is edited really slick. Wait a second. Yeah. It all looks really slick. Like, so that, that was my, my gut instinct was like, uh, even if this isn't great, it's probably going to look amazing. Uh, with yeah. my, yeah, that was my takeaway from the trailer. So, uh, I, I'm glad to hear that confirmed. Yes, uh, very, very slick. We're gonna jump over to some shorts that we watched. Uh, I'm gonna kick us off with "The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse." Uh, this uh, is based on a book that was written by Charlie Mackesy, uh, and it is uh, the story of a the, these four characters. It's a, a boy who's on his own. Uh, he um, he runs into a mole. Uh, the, so the mm-hmm. boy is voiced by uh, Jude uh, Coward Nicole, and then he runs into a mole who's voiced by Tom Hollander, uh, who we just mm-hmm. saw in White Lotus uh, in season two. And, uh, and then they run into a Fox, uh, who threatens to kill the mole at first. It's, it's a really great, like the first time you hear the Fox speak, I was like, I didn't look at the casting and I was Mm. like, that's Idris Elba. Like (laughs) it's so obvious. Like he's got this like real great, like growl, like in his voice. And then Mm. you meet the horse and the horse is like, so charming. I had no idea. It's Gabriel Byrne. Um, and God, what, and what a beautiful story. Uh, I I tweeted about it. I was like, I'm not crying in the middle of the afternoon watching this. It's ridiculous. It's so unbelievably beautiful from the animation to the story being told to the voice acting that's being done across the board. Um, God, Tom Hollander is the mole is just he's so he's like a walking little heart. Like he's so adorable. Um, And Idris Elba, there's there's a great line near the end where Idris Elba says to his character says to someone else like. You're all you need. And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize all I needed in my life was Idris Elba to tell me I'm, I'm all I need. Like
1: it would be your ringtone or something. Oh my
0: God. It, it, it just was, it was like a warm hug of a, yeah. of an animated short. I, I, this is there's going to be a really hard road to hoe for almost all the other animation because of the mm. caliber of the animation here, the story it's based on how uplifting it is, right? Like we, I, we watched a lot of shorts this week. Not many of them are very uplifting. This mm. just is the most warm. And, and like I, I said in my tweet, I think like every child should watch, you should watch this with your kids. Like it is so soft and and welcoming and yet yeah, like acceptance and you it really got me. I, I I was I was very much tears and eyes, uh, and and watching this in the middle of the like in, in the morning. I think I, I caught it. I started looking up shorts at like ten o'clock in the morning and watched mm-hmm. mo- most of the day, uh, and boy, it, it really is amazing.
1: Yeah, this so this is a, a co-production between Apple T or Apple Apple TV and the BBC. Um, so like there, there's a really good budget for this, and it, it shows. I mean, it's beautifully done. The music is beautiful. like very high profile actors doing the voices. Um, I love this book that this is, that this is based off of uh, like when it first came out, I was doing a, I was uh, a guest on a podcast and this, this was one of the, for me, this was on my list as um, one of the best graphic novels of, of the year that year. I don't remember when it came out. Um, But the, the book is very simple in the sense that like, it's like continuous brush strokes for each character with the with the with the dialogue um next to it and i thought that this was a nice transition from from one medium uh to another where i think that you still got to keep kind of like that sketchy brush stroke feel uh to the animation it's not it's you know like you see kind of like the pencil pencil lines and things like that mm-hmm. um but it does, but they added color and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's such a, it's a nice transition to an animated, an animated film. This is a great, uh, like you should watch it with your kids, but like this should be a book that is in every um, kid's nursery library and you should read it to your children.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll jump over to the flying sailor. Uh, so we found this, so that's on Apple TV plus, uh, the next one is the flying sailor. Uh, the New Yorker, uh, tends to do a lot of the shorts throughout the year Mm -hmm. on the New Yorker theater, which is really nice. So the flying sailor is the story of a, uh, I think it's a Norwegian sailor and it's based on sort of a quote unquote, true story. Uh, it it's, uh, sorry, Nova Scotia in the town of Halifax, there was an explosion And uh, this is the story of what could have been going through the mind of this sailor who may have been blown off of a pier. Um, Mm. And the animation is, it's adorable. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's silly. It's charming. Uh, It, it, it really bounces back and forth uh, from what feels like at the very beginning is like a hyper realized reality to like fantasy as the, as like his clothes are blown off of him And he's thrown through the air. Like there's so many little aspects of this that were just like, like smirk worthy. Almost like I I kept just getting uh, like almost giggly at how silly it felt. But then you realize Mm -hmm. like this, if this is a real story, this guy flew through the air. Like, you know, there's a a little bit of weight to, to the short when you realize that it's based on a real story. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really, I liked it. I, I think it was, it was, um, it's so interesting to, to tell like true stories in animated format and, mm-hmm. and, and at least inspired by, and, and I really thought this was so, it was not what I was, I was expecting when I, when I saw the initial um, when I saw the title card and then the story you get is this like fantastical story of a, t- of a sailor being, well, you know, a ship blowing up and him flying through the air. And and it's sort yeah. of what happens to the, in his head as this is happening.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that's the the thing that art, our- art and and movies and you know it's all they're all art but the the thing that they can do is like you know like in 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 real time this is like a a a millisecond but artistically you can spread that out and you can show him like you know like reliving his life and then um and then yeah the the ending to me was was very unexpected and i kind of was left like oh my gosh and you kind of have to take a second because also it the 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 art and the, the design of it all is very endearing and it's very engrossing. And then like, it's almost like, um, you know, it, it draws you in and then it kind of just slaps you in the face at the end. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: It was, it was a fun one. I was glad it, uh, it came across my radar. Uh, the next one I'll mention, I don't know if you've seen this one was Anastasia. A- I have
1: not seen this. No. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Anastasia is uh, the story of a woman who uh, named Anastasia uh, Schengen. Scheng- uh, who's who uh, is basically a dissident in Russia uh, came out speaking against the Russian uh, government. And um, it's, it's the only doc I think that we've talked about that is uh, an, it, it's a, it's an actual documentary short. It's not an animated short. This one is uh, the story of her getting off of house arrest and being able to spread the ashes of her daughter who died mm. while she was in house arrest. Um mm. And it's really moving and and you see the impact of the life that she's chosen to live on her children. Um, and they don't shy away from that. Her daughter uh, won't cry in front of people because she wants to be strong. And, and I think that's what she took away from her mother and her and Anastasia has a son who she tells like, you should cry. Like she she's, she's seen the impact that she's had um, by, by being the strong force in her daughter's life and now is, treating her son a little bit differently. So her daughter might be like 14 and her son might be like 11 or something like that. And, and her daughter who had, uh, who was born with some medical issues, um, who passed away. Uh, they, they're all sort of, um, holding on to, uh, the, the the loss of this child and, and how it impacted their lives. But there's a really great scene right in the middle where the daughter, uh, says to her mother, that this is how every conversation we have ends—you just stop talking, mm. you know—and like that is really powerful. Seeing like a, a teenager confront her mother about like, I, I, I need you as my mom, and and like you know, she's like, I can't think of anything until we deal with your sister, and like, but we're we're alive is really what mm. her sister. It, it, it's so moving, and and it was a real gut punch, and and just felt like so visceral. The the camera is so close; they're so whoever the documentarian is like really lives with these people The you, you, you they gave real access and mm-hmm. um, you can see the pain on Anastasia's face. Like, and, and you can see it in her daughter's eyes. And her son is also like, you know, it, it's, it's very moving. Uh, so that's the best way I can put it is it's 27 minutes worth of like, sort of um, you really having to reckon with the impact of You know, being a dissident in a country that doesn't allow for for any political uh, disagreement uh, and Mm. what impact that had on her and her entire family.
1: I always find um, documentary shorts fascinating because uh, you have to be so concise with what information you want to share Mm. uh, to tell a story in a short amount of time where, you know, I think in this day and age. Um, you know, most people live to binge watch document docu series on Netflix or, or any of the streaming services or even on YouTube, you know, with multiple things. So, um, kudos to someone who can make a, a very, a very good, um, documentary short.
0: Well, and the other thing is right. Like that was a 27 minute short. You heard me describe how much I, I was able to glean some mm-hmm. of it is on the screen and being said but so much of it is the pain and emotion that's coming across right. because there's honesty happening in those conversations so mm-hmm. there, you know there's there's three layers of information right like there's what's being yeah. said there's what's being shown and then the emotions on their faces like and it it really is sort of uh, in my opinion is sort of the best of what a, a short doc can give you It Mm -hmm. gave me a a window into this woman's world and her family and the world that she lives in, not just her life, but the world she's a part of. And when they get to the Black Sea, there's this beautiful moment where um, they're on the boat and she says to her daughter, like, when I go, this is where I want to go. So bring me Mm -hmm. here. Right. Like, so there's also like a reckoning with like, I also love the sea. Your you know, your sister did. So there's, there's a lot, there's so much said and unsaid in the dock, And I think that's what makes it work so well.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, the next one uh you can find on YouTube. Um this is a stop motion uh animated short uh voiced by Taika Watiti, uh called Save Ralph. And um in this one you uh there is a in, uh, there is a documentary crew following a white rabbit around. You start off in his house and he's he talks about how he's blind in one eye and he can't hear in 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 an e- in one of his ears, um, and he talks about his job and his job is to uh, he works at um, a factory or a laboratory that um, does works on cosmetics and things for so, and he's very proud of his job and he, um, you know, wants to make sure that that humans are safe from the the makeup and the 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 products they use um and it's stop motion animation so that there's a lot of texture and movement and i think that's one of the beauty beautiful things about stop motion animation is the textures that you feel uh with these characters like you see the fur you know it it, it, it's like it's a it's 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 a three-dimensional kind of character um because you know it's it's a stop motion puppet and this is another one where you know, uh, it's it's you. They tease, they 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 reel you in by it being Taika Waititi and a and a cute white rabbit, yep. but it has it has a very serious um, message about animal testing. And I, I wasn't aware going into this, but then at the end, you're like, oh, this was sponsored by the ASPCA. Yeah, I understand now. Um, so yeah, it's. It's definitely worth watching, but, but not, I mean, if you're ready to have conversations about this kind of thing with your kids, it's like, just because it's animated and just because it's like stop motion, uh, don't like just sit your kids down in front of it and like walk away. You know, this is definitely a conversation piece, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think what really blew me away is it is three minutes and 54 seconds or something like that. And you get an entire story and arc told and, it's also voiced by a ton of celebrities. A whole bunch of people are a part of it. Zac Efron, Ricky Gervais, Trisha Helfer, Palm, uh, Clementoff, um, George Lopez, Olivia Munn. Like Just so many people who uh, were a part of this. And it's likely because they're all believers in sort of what the ASPCA is trying to accomplish would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But this has won a ton of awards already. So uh, this is probably uh in gonna make it from the short list to the list would be my guess um but it's already won i think seven animation awards including one at the ray harryhausen the con film South Festival by
1: southwest too I yeah think it's,
0: won, it's sure. won a bunch of awards um i i think the the animation itself is fantastic um i think that is the thing that i took away from it i think it the the story that's being told the 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 uh the impact they're trying to have is great I I think what really blew me away is how much Ralph the rabbit like moves and how moving and and the animation itself is what makes you feel so much less about the voices in my opinion. And, and they're great voices who are really acting it out. But um, I was blown away by the stop motion animation. It's really Mm -hmm. fantastic.
1: Yeah. This, I think um, my brother-in-law who works almost predominantly in stop motion animation. I, I asked um, who worked on this and I think he said this was uh, overseas. I think this was done in the UK or something like that. I'm not sure. Um, but it was, I don't think this was an American studio who did the stop motion for it. Yep. Um, moving on, we're going back to The New Yorker uh, for this one if you want to catch The Garbage Man. Um, t- uh, you start off, you, you start. tell us a little about The Garbage Man.
0: Yeah, so the Garbage Man I felt like was this beautiful like uh family telling the story of uh of uh, a beloved family member uh who was a garbage man who basically picked up and renovate and rehab it, rehab things uh, across the world and kept mm-hmm. bringing them back home. And I think that's there's something very sweet and and beautiful about it. Uh it's it, it really is this like um it, it it feels like this uh, overarching story of like a, of of someone looking at their past and the the people in their family and having this like positive story to tell, um, mm-hmm. and, and and that's what I got out of it more than almost anything. The, the animation is really rough I, I found it harder for me to watch than almost anything else i i didn't love the animation style and that really pulled me out of it um yeah it was it's sketchy very, it was it was it was yeah. like difficult to watch uh and it's it very look, frenetic yeah. yeah that's a good way to put it um and I, I i it's really this beautiful like anything can be rehabilitated it felt like was the sort of takeaway but mm-hmm. that one person saw the world that way is the story they're trying to tell um yeah
1: yeah, I thought that it was, they were, they were like looking at photos as they're talking about, uh, about the kind of where things came from. And I, I thought it was kind of sweet how like, you know, there's a moment where I believe it's the grandma kind of walks into a, a photo and becomes younger and then she's like with her, her, you know, like her, the love of her life again. And I thought that was really sweet.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, not one that blew me away, but definitely mm-hmm. one that I was glad I watched. And it's it's also yeah. available on The New Yorker. It, all these we'll, we'll have in the notes uh, with links off to them, uh, especially right now, because I feel like the shorts are hard to find. Um, yeah. So uh, we took a little bit of time and dug them out, and uh, we the, should take advantage but, of that.
1: Yeah, they're also, I believe, in The Garbage Man. Is, uh, is that Portuguese they're speaking? Uh, I think the, so,
0: but I couldn't. I, I, yeah, I'm a terrible line- American.
1: The language is beautiful. It, it's it's such. It sounds beautiful, and I was like, that sounds Portuguese in the sense that, I mean, yeah, I could be I could be a terrible American too, just being like <laughs> assuming things. But it sounds like it's the the timbre and the the melodicness of the of the dialogue is really amazing. It is subtitled if you obviously if you don't speak the language. Yep. Which clearly I don't because I don't know which one it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, the next one is uh, Sierra. Did you get a chance to watch this one? This one I have not seen. So okay, you're, so this you're, is on the Criterion Channel. Um, this is like uh, the, the story of a, a father and a son, and and the loss of a race, and then how uh, there's so, there's so much going on in this. But I also didn't love the animation style. It's mm-hmm. it's really hard for it was really hard for me to get into the story because the animation kind of took me out of it. Um, I, I think the big one here is it's sort of a little bit of a treatise on to- toxic masculinity, um, mm, okay. and and through the lens of a child and a father, and they're teaching how to be a lose to lose well, like is really what it felt like. But it's also not a story that resonated really well for me. Um, this is another international film. I think this one is uh, Estonia. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if it was the storytelling method, the base language it was being told in, uh, the, the mores of society there. Like it just didn't, it didn't hit for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think it's beautiful. It's on the criterion channel. Um, and it feels like one of those things that was curated by the criterion, like it really feels like they went out of their way to be like, what is a, what is a interesting animated short that we can have available on our service? And it is, Mm -hmm. it's real interesting, but it didn't, it wasn't one of the ones I will go off and talk about, like, as I expect this to win, I I don't even expect this to make the, to to come out of the shortlist and get nominated, um, based on some of the other stuff that we've already seen and talked about. Mm. Cool. what, What about the next one? Did you get a chance to watch Steakhouse? Yeah,
1: I really, uh, so the steakhouse, uh, comes out, like if you look on IMDB, it, it says countries of origin, Slovenia, Germany, France, language spoken in is Slovenian. Um, and this is, uh, this is a story about, uh, a man who is cooking a steak, uh, waiting for, uh, I believe his wife to come home, but, uh, for her birthday and, but she gets tied up. She gets tied up at work because the, the people at work want to wish her a happy birthday too. And she kind of like almost drags her feet coming home. Uh, and he's prepared this beautiful steak dinner for her. And it gets to the point where he just, uh, when she finally gets home, it gets really interesting because he gets angry at her. Um, he burns the steak. There's there's smoke throughout the house. And then through much of the the short, they're like talking through smoke, uh there's this was a very visceral um animated um short where like he burned the steak so much that like he's forcing himself to eat it because he's like punishing her by punishing himself and it's really burnt and crusty and like the the sound of him crunching on the steak was so visceral to me. Yep. And um and uh you know, I mean i mean this is a spoiler alert i guess but but he bites his he bites his tongue off and he's freaking out and 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 it's just very interesting because uh he he kind of runs to to take care of it in a sense and she's left looking for his tongue she finds it and then she then she cooks it up uh and cut and and prepares it um and like at one point, he calls because I, I I think he was heading to the hospital or hiding somewhere, and she's like, "No, no, I couldn't find your tongue." Yeah, and it's just it's real. It's a really interesting kind of like. I think it also there was a bit of, um, you know, commentary on, on toxic masculinity or just like, uh, toxic relationships. Yeah and how we should maybe bite our tongue sometimes, you know.
0: Yeah, a little on the nose for me, but I think the mm-hmm. the animation was un- unbelievable in this in this short. I I was so taken aback by the the house full of smoke and and the the like the level of composure that the animators had to tell the story in a smoke-filled room uh is unbelievable. Like they rely so much on sound and on, on other aspects of the, of the story to tell where things are, right? Like there's moments Mm -hmm. where you can almost not see anything on the screen. And I think there's, there's a lot of like gutsy animation storytelling here. Um, Again, one that I, I, that the story felt me made me feel a little uncomfortable, but it's also when you're in a relationship and things are not going well, right? Like the little things matter. You know, mm-hmm. and, and this is one where it's like he the story I think we're being told is that he marinated the steak and, and was making her a birthday dinner and uh she just didn't come home uh because it was more important. Well, she got surprised at, at work and then he didn't see that as a viable outcome, right? Like mm-hmm. he took it as a personal affront. So then he just basically charred the steak and and cooked it till it was dead and then the impact was like this is like the epitome of uh we're you know uh holding you know yourself you you hurt yourself by resent right like Mm -hmm. he's so resentful that he ends up biting his tongue off when he's eating the steak uh, to make a point you know um Yeah. yeah it's it's a it's a very surprising little short. Uh I, yeah. I I'm glad I watched it. It was one that I, I will that will be with me for a while. I, I feel like the beautifully cooked tongue at the end is the thing that got me, right? Like it yeah. looks like this perfectly cooked steak, uh, and she's the one who cooks it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah. It's ironically beautiful.
1: Um n- next on our list, um this this right off the bat, I think this might be my um underdog for being nominated and winning yeah um, uh, my year of dicks um and which is um it is a it's it's directed by sarah gunner's daughter uh created and written by pamela ribbon I, Mm -hmm. i believe her last name is and this is based on um uh, Pamela Ribbons' like comedic memoirs, "Notes to a Boy," and other things I shouldn't share in public. Um, and it's just a a really great, um, unfiltered coming of age story about a girl who wants to lose her virginity, and the year which she tries to do that. Yeah. Um, this yeah. was like a this was like one like this was like a great coming like a great teen movie encapsulated in a short film. Yeah. And um each of her each of her attempts and each of her con- like possible conquest of, you know candidates as it were to 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 um, to lose her virginity with it, it's a different episode and each one it's a little bit of a different animation style. Yeah. Um based on who who you know the characteristics of the person is and i just thought it was fantastic i thought the the dialogue was fantastic i thought the the voice acting was really great and the the animation was really really charming and uh really honest and and heartfelt for for the the subject matter and and i think tone of all things was really matched really well in this um in this one and i think um yeah it's just really great it honestly it's hard to find this one like if you if you search this on imdb it doesn't come up but if you yep. go to their website and you go to the imdb link through there then it comes up it's very strange and like i don't think this is getting a lot of support whereas like we we watched i had to we ha- will have the vimeo link um yep. i think uh connected to it it was the only place i could really find it to watch it you could find like a trailer for it i think Yep. all over the place but um But this isn't really being supported uh, on like any big streaming platform or anything like that. And I think maybe that's a testament to like the grassroots underdogness of it all. Or maybe it's just how like the best way to make it accessible to everyone is put it on Vimeo. So
0: the thing that's amazing is uh, when I first looked this up, it was not available anywhere. And you found it the day that Sarah put it up. The director. Oh my gosh! Literally, it was. It's only been up there three days. So, like, oh, wow. yeah. Um, I was blown away by this. I, I absolutely. I, again, I think this is the little animated short that could. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that it tells like four stories in twenty five minutes, uh, each one of them feels like uh, a fully rendered story. Uh, so, mm-hmm. are we getting like seven minutes to most stories? Like, really, when it comes down to like six and a half. Uh, really unbelievably well told. It's also set in 1991. So I don't know, like for me, that was my junior year in high school. So it feels uh, like really resonant uh, so much of what's going on there Um, and just how uh, I I love the honesty with which uh, the writer approached this. Um, the real visceral honesty of like I I I would like to lose my virginity and is going to talk about it honestly and that even some of her friends look at her uh, askance during the during the shooting you know the telling of the story but the reality is she's just she's just a, a she's a, she's a young woman who wants to experience something and and I think that's the yeah. interesting piece is like each one of the stories is her experiencing an aspect of the world. Um, that is now going to build on who she is as a person, right? Like, and, and I think that is what we all go through, right? She's 15 in this time period at at 15, you're trying to figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you think you've got it figured out and you, you, everything you do is you figuring it out, you know, like you have no answers. Uh, I think my favorite moment in the entire short, she comes home late the next morning and she walks in and walks past her dad and she's just like, I know I, uh, I'm grounded. And she just yes. she grounds herself. Like yeah. it, it's, it's perfect. Like she knows she did wrong and she's mad at herself. No. And, but like, we don't even have to have a conversation. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm grounding myself. Like we're good. Yeah. Uh, it just made me smile. It's the kind of thing that you realize when you're growing up, like sometimes you don't need your parents to tell you you've done wrong. Right. Like right. I, I, I'm walking my own walk of shame right now. You know, like it, right. it was, it was really, it, it it definitely is my underdog pick. I think going forward. Yeah. And there's
1: like there's uh, you know being of the '90s. There there are some really nice kind of elements of like '90s sitcoms or like nine like like um, what was that show with Jordan Catalano on it? My so-called life, you know, yeah. like where, um, you know, like the because the, there's a title card for like each episode, and then it kind of there's a nice fade into the next scene, which I feel is like it's very like '90s sitcomy, and and um, it kind of like it cuts to her as a, like a live action person, like with like scribbled drawings floating around here. And I, yeah, like it just was, it was very, the tone, like I said, like the tone was so, so great.
0: Yeah. This is one you should definitely seek out. Um, again, it's on Vimeo. It's super fun. Uh, the last one is more than I want to remember. I think this is one that you haven't seen because I watched it late last night. Yeah. I have not seen. Yeah. So it's uh it's the story of a 14 year old girl. Um, who's grown up in uh, and, and born in the Congo. And it's the story of like uh, her getting uh, not, not living there, moving out of that area and then her life afterwards. Uh, mm. And it's this, it's, it's beautiful. The animation style is very, um, the, the humans are drawn very almost like cat-like. They're this mm. uh, really elegant looking and, and beautiful animation style. Um, and, and really the big one here is like, it's, it's a beautiful story about uh, a child who is, uh, who, who protects herself and ends up looking for, uh, like family and and connection and and things like that after she's found herself a new home. And, Mm. and it's, it's great. It, it, there's, there's not a lot to say about this for me. I, I think it was, uh, I I really want to just shine a spotlight on like the animation. I think that's the big one for me in in this. It's a 14 minute short. Um, The story is, there's a lot of story, but it's relatively simplistic. It is something bad has happened. This person has gotten away and now is kind of on their own. And then finding what that means to her growing up and, and trying to find a path to family or, Uh, her history. And I, it's, it's really well done. Um, Yeah. I think that's, that's sort of uh, check it out. It's on Paramount plus again, it's a really interesting spread of where all the shorts were, right? We've, we've listed ones that were on the New Yorkers website, uh, Apple TV plus Paramount plus YouTube itself um, criterion channel vimeo right like what yeah. an amazing spread uh, to try to track these down but there's also not a single article that says like this is where all the shorts are so it was a it was a scramble like I felt like I was mad dash around the internet to try to find them
1: yeah I think once once the official nominee list will go up like that will be a list that might be I think I think every year like for for animated shorts like they put out, like a like one place where you can see them, but I could be wrong. Who knows?
0: Um, I know AMC um, tends to do uh, an animated shorts block, an animated document documentaries block. So you mm-hmm. can also usually see them at your local AMC, that even if they do it once or twice uh, before the Oscars.
1: Some of these, I would lo- I would love to see in my Year of Dicks on a big screen.
0: Yes, yeah, I think that and the boy, the mole, the fox, and the, sure. and the horse. Oh my god! What um, a what
1: a weird bookend of your life, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> very weird uh so we're gonna talk you about- are enough i want to get laid <laughs> we're gonna talk about a couple of films that uh we watched this week uh mostly me but i, th- I know john's seen at least one of them so i'm gonna take mm-hmm. a swig of coffee uh and you get a chance to lead us in a little bit on jackass forever my friend
1: well so so jackass forever was was on my best my favorite of 2022 as far as this was my favorite uh Legacy sequel. Uh, this is the fourth in the line of jackass movies, um, and they are passing the torch to some new jackasses, but they are also, uh, you know, coming to grips with, you know, still wanting to be young and virile, but really they're just old AF and are <laughs> afraid to do some things or not willing, or it's still willing, and then they get knocked out. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the... They actually like think about these movies like there is thought and like how to set these things up and they they talk about that in, in where like they're like I've been thinking about I want to do this and we need to come together and logistically do this and all this stuff and you know like there is they're not mindless idiots. No, um, it's they're uh... they Yeah, they're reckless with their bodies, but they're not mindless idiots.
0: Um, I watched this because I, because because of John talking about it as his legacy sequel of the year, I, I had to give it a chance. And uh, I always find myself like really uncomfortable watching the Jackass films. Um, uh-huh. I am not a person. This is not my world. I am not the guy who's gonna like, you know, cup check somebody. Like m- right. maybe when I was thirteen or fourteen, but like the world they live in is so completely different than the world I live in. But it also sometimes seeing somebody get hit in the face with a uh, the Eric Andre scene where he gets coffee is one, one of the funniest things I laughed at all year because he knows where he is. That's the the yeah. best part is there's like a pop-up stand for getting coffee and Eric Andre walks up and he's like, Hey, can I get a cold brew? And, and uh, he's they're like, yeah, totally. Can I get a selfie with you? And he's like, yeah. And he like, he, po- he poses for a selfie and gets smashed in the face by a tube of a plastic tube and he's laying on the floor and he's like, I'm so mad at myself. Like I, yeah. I knew I shouldn't have done, like the recognition of like the dumb shit they do to one another. But then the people who become part of their tribe is, mm-hmm. is what re- and Eric Andre just laughing so hard at how dumb he was. Um, yeah. And then when they get poopies uh, with the same thing and the second the second round. Yeah, there's a there's a new jackass called poopies and and he gets smashed in the face. And they, they wait until he has the coffee in his hand. So it's even more brutal. But then the, Johnny Knoxville comes over and he's like, come on, man, let's get you a cup of coffee. And he puts him right in the spot where there's one at like crotch level. Yeah. And it just wrecks <laughs> him. And like, I'm like, this movie shouldn't be making me laugh as hard as it is. Uh, so for me, the big takeaway from these films is always, uh, it's less about what they're doing. And it's more about the friendship. Like yeah, you can
1: the camaraderie. Feel-
0: but you can feel when like, like the example I would give is when they do, when, when Johnny Knoxville does the, does the bull situation, right. Mm -hmm. Where he gets, you can see the concern on Steve O's face and the way he talks about it. Right. Steve O is a guy who would, who's done everything to destroy his body. And, you know, he even says like, even at my worst. And when I didn't care about my, my, my own life, I wouldn't have gotten in the ring with a bull. And you can see Mm -hmm. the level of concern uh, for, for Johnny, for his friend, right. Like, um and, and that was the thing i was surprised by like i, I would give this movie 3 stars i'm not sure if i give it a heart but the, i i definitely laughed like hard laughed hard yeah. for a lot of sequences and there's also times where i'm like i can't believe they're doing this like the the we man stunt where they uh where they they get the um the vulture to eat meat off of him i mm-hmm. I, I couldn't I, I was so uncomfortable watching it unfold um yeah
1: or yeah. the or the 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 bees hanging on to his scrotum.
0: Yeah. that That's honestly, that didn't get me at all because I've seen Steve-O do stuff. Like, I'm like, well, right. of course it's Steve-O. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I was surprised uh, that uh, it was your legacy sequel of the year. I, I can see uh, a lot of why uh, it's mm-hmm. just not, it's not my franchise. Like it, it is sure. definitely a not for Robbie, but I, I give him a lot of credit for, and the, the new jackasses they brought in, I think are, Really uh interesting and different. Yeah. And I think that that yeah. really helps. The big standout to me is Rachel Wolfson. Uh I mm-hmm. Johnny Knoxville talked about the fact that like it's almost not fun having her be a jackass because she's so like like able to take down anything that like mm-hmm. she gets stung in the lip by a scorpion and like she 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 lets it do it three times yeah, it, she doesn't like, flinch. oh my god so he even talks about the fact that like she's just too good at this like she's too unflappable you know like e- even like we man or or steve or any of them they you, there's fear at times right like dave when, when you know all the crazy stuff that they've done with dave and destroying him um but she's just unflappable and 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 zach too like zach holmes that guy is, uh, you know, he sort of looks like a replacement for Preston. But the reality is he's a replacement for sort of the crazy stuff that Johnny does in a lot of like mm-hmm. he is he, the stuff he's willing to take on is unbelievable. Um, yeah, I, I I, it made me laugh a lot uh, and more than I want to admit. But it was uh, it was a surprise to me that it ended up on your list. And I'm glad that I got a chance to see it. So.
1: Right on. Yeah. Um, The next two are things that uh, I have yet to watch, but I would love to hear what you have to say.
0: Yeah. So the first one uh, in a completely different direction. What a charming documentary. Uh, The Automat is the story of uh, the world created by uh, automated uh, cafeterias. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the entire thing is uh, a giant love letter to what was uh, Americana. From the 1920s through 1991, when the last one closed. Um, mm. it, it, is, it is an unbelievable story of the, the it's two, fam- two, two men founded it called Horn and Hardit. And the first one is in Philly. And one of them went to Europe and uh, saw a sort of automated machine that was delivering food. And basically said, I want to bring this back to America. So bought an entire unit and brought it to Philly and set up the first one of these. And they, in Philly, they're known as Horn and Hardit. Uh, in New York, they're known as the Automats. Mm. I think at one point there was 40 of them in New York city or more than 40. It's amazing how many of them existed. Um, mm-hmm. The The premise for this is that um, the documentarian decided to uh, really anchor the film. So the director is Lisa Hurwitz. The writer of this is Michael Levine and the interview, uh, really spends a lot of time. Uh, the interviewer with Mel Brooks, uh, Mel Brooks is, a was a giant lover of the automat, but it, it's unfiltered Mel Brooks. There's a really great scene at the beginning. Like, what are you going to do with this? Is it going to be a documentary? It's, it's gotta be like 80 minutes. Like wh- what, wh- who, mm. what's the audience for this? It's so funny to hear like the businessman, like Mel Brooks and, yeah. uh, it it starts off with him basically saying like, I got a limited amount of time. I don't know how much I can help you, you know, like, but I'll try, Uh, send me stuff. And, and it closes with Mel Brooks basically saying to the interviewer, like I'm famous, use all of what I gave you, right? Like I I love what you've done here. Uh, This is an important story. Right. And, and it's just so much fun to, to have that lens and how much it impacted Mm. uh, not just like, anyone who lived in New York or Philly, but like how much it was a part of television culture, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Carl, Carl Reiner uh, would go there every morning at nine 30. Cause it was right around the corner from where they were writing. And, and Mel makes fun of Carl. Cause he's like, you know what? Uh, Carl is frugal. And then he just leans in and he's like, hey, that's really just another word for cheap. Uh, Cause everything mm. there was nickels. So the whole point right. was right. You could put in a nickel to get coffee, they also they, they spend a lot of time with uh, John Ramos, who is the VP of engineering for the company and talking about like the things he created, the, the machines he had to keep alive. And but what's amazing is you go through this entire story and he has all these photos because when they set up every new H&H, he was the one who set it up. So they had to take pictures. So he like mm. documented their entire world. Um, and wow. when they closed the last one, they they ended up transitioning a lot of them to franchises because they had great locations in New York City. But he mm. closed the last one and you spend a lot of time with him and talking about like he's the one who closed the loop. Both of the founders were no longer around when the company closed, but right. he was. So you get this story like secret person behind the scenes is their VP of engineering who kept everything alive. Um, what, what an amazing documentary about something that I am not familiar with. I grew up in New York city. Definitely know. Uh, I've seen the automats, but I don't know that I ever ate at them. I wish I could, I'm going to, the next time I see my mom and I spend time with her, I'm going to talk to her and see if she spent any time there. There was one down by wall street. Uh, I think it's nine, nine wall. So there's a lot, uh, they were all over the place. They were all over the Broadway area. They were all over like midtown east and west you know it's an unbelievable story and really charming
1: i mostly like just like remember i mostly remember them from watching like tom and jerry cartoons or or like you know in a lot of cartoons there were there were automats and like you know like three stooges and stuff i feel like i saw automats maybe but uh, i remember like in the down in down in the in the in the west village like a long time ago they tried to put an automaton in on like the corner of like St. Mark's. I remember going to it cause I thought it was like the coolest thing. And I thought I was like, you know, I felt like I was reliving a, uh, something from a, a long forgotten time. Uh, it didn't last though, unfortunately, but I also feel like Pret is kind of like the,
0: yeah, it's almost the, like the logical uh, grandchild of what they were yeah, trying to accomplish. You yeah. know,
1: Like prepackaged like half sandwiches and stuff. I feel like, that's kind of stuff that you would get at a at a at a uh, automat. I'm I've I, I hadn't heard of this and I'm very excited to to check it out. Um so cool. Um uh,
0: there's the the final uh it closes with Mel Brooks singing a song about the automat but with a full orchestra and it's unbelievable. But of course, um, yeah, he's such a, he's, he is so with it still. Like it's unreal how much you get out of Mel and how many times you, how much time you spend with him. But I just love his like practicality and business sense you hear it at the beginning. He's just like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to take this? Like, there's a lot of film festivals. Like, it's so funny to hear him trying to figure out like, how is she going to make this successful? And if I'm going to be a part of it, how, how can I help? But like, he also doesn't want to commit at the beginning. And then it closes out with him being like, I'm famous. Use everything you got for me. Like, you know, he's just such a a old school uh, and an old soul who understands the industry. And, Mm -hmm. and he realizes who he is. And I think that's, that's a big part of what makes it fun. You know? Um, yeah, I would highly suggest it. I think it's one of those that I, I don't know that it's going to have the weight to be a part of the final documentary list, but, uh, I, it's polished and beautiful and, and really a cool documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. so the other, the other film I watched this week was all quiet on the Western front. So I finally watched the film that is likely going to be the, it is the German submission for the international film awards on the Academy in the Oscars. And, uh, Uh, so we did our favorites, uh, last week and, uh, this movie, if I had watched it before would have been, uh, in my, it's, it's now become my favorite international film of the year. Um, it also has the most amazing score. Um, Mm. I I think it bumped Batman. It may be the score of the year for me. It is, it's driving and percussive and, and the the story is uh the story of a, a german boy who's i think about 17 um and you follow him through his experiences um heading to the western front of world war 1 and uh it is based on a book this is the third incarnation of the book's adap- adaptation um i've only watched this one uh it is I don't know if you saw 1917. This is 1917 turned up to 12. Like forget 11. Mm. We're gonna go. It, it is the the violence of World War One, the world that they've created. I also watched Hacksaw Ridge this last year, which I think that was a pretty brutal movie, um, mm. telling the stories of in, in that ecosystem of what war looked like. Um, this takes all of that and is like I'm gonna make it grimier, I'm gonna make it more realistic and I'm going to make it scarier. And I think that's the thing that this movie did that others, 1917, the big mock, you know, mark against it. People felt like it was on rails because of the long one shots that it felt Mm. like they had to be perfect. There's nothing that feels perfect about this film. Everything here feels real and gritty and grimy. And like, we're we're, like, there's a cameraman in the middle of a war capture happened to be capturing what's going on. Um, it's, its cinematography is friggin' unbelievable. Uh, the, the watching of the impact and some of the shots, like there's a, very early on, there's a, a, it feels like a drone shot. And as you zoom closer to the ground, you realize you're not looking at a topographical map, it's dead bodies. And oh, wow. like it's just phenomenal what is captured on film here. Um, I could not be more impressed with a film. It, wow. it, it leapfrogged so much of my favorites. It, it went from being on my radar to being number two in my films of the year. Um, wow. And I also saw it at home. This is a film I wish I had seen in a theater. This was playing at Middleburg. And I, I think the movie I didn't go see that I saw that I didn't see this was The Wonder. And boy, am I sad that I chose The Wonder over this. Um, being locked into this movie for two hours and 29 minutes in a theater in a black room where you are not second screening where where you're not being distracted it would mm. have been in even it may have been my film of the year to be honest
1: i think if it if it gets traction and it does if it does garner uh, an award i think it'll be re-released into theaters
0: uh, i think this is possibly going to make its way to the best picture list um, wow. there's often now one international film that they That's seem true. to hold a slot for. Um, the big question is, is it decision to leave or is it all quiet on the Western front? And I think there are two very different types of movies. And I mm-hmm. think what you get here is more moving and more cinema. It's, it's, it's more story than what is going on in decision decision to leave is this beautiful, small treatise on uh, it's sort of like Park Chan-wook taking on vertigo, right? Like mm-hmm. his, his heavily influenced by Hitchcock and the storytelling, there's beautiful cinematography in that this movie trumps all. I, it, it is, it is a maximalist wartime footage film. Um, and I, I, there's so much going on in this film that it's not even... I'm going to write a blog post, a review of it, because I really want to spend some more time with it. Um, but boy, it, it was unreal. Uh, you should watch it. It's on Netflix.
1: Yeah. Um, and that wraps up uh, some of the films we watch as we segue into our main review, which is something that is also on Netflix. Netflix is... I mean, I. I you know what? I'm surprised that we didn't put as like winning the year last year, like Netflix did. Okay. Yeah. No, like, um, I know that they're having some issues with like, you know, changing subscription prices and all this stuff, but like, like they put out a ton of movies that, or Netflix originals or whatever you want to call them that are pretty great. And the, the series that they've, they've also put out are also fabulous. So kudos to you, Netflix.
0: Yeah. Um, I, well, it's funny. We talked about a little bit in the distribution side, right? Like I, I made the mm-hmm. joke that I think like A24 may have had the year, right? Like, but when it comes down to it, Netflix is housing a lot of these, you know, the thing I think that is hurting Netflix at this point is that they have not gotten that best picture nominee, uh winner that mm-hmm. th- that's why I think a lot of these films are, are getting funded on, the, on, under the Netflix umbrella. They, I think they were hopeful that white noise or knives out you know, there's a bunch of films that they were hopeful would be even bigger than they are.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of white noise, that's what we're going to, we're going to mainly try and focus on uh, today. This is something that uh, maybe had a very, very small theatrical release. You can now see it on Netflix and Robbie actually got to see it in person at the Middleburg film festival. So before we end, uh, you, I believe you talked about it on the prior well on the on the Middleburg Film Festival podcast that we did so you can go back and listen to that. Uh, but really quickly, do you want to talk about maybe like the difference between seeing it actually in a theater with like people versus at home?
0: Yeah. I, this, this movie is, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Noah Baumbach. I I really like his storytelling uh, perspective and I like the things he's directed Mm -hmm. up to this point. Um, This is the first thing that he's adapted. So uh, there's a lot of people who are talking about sort of the comparison of maybe like um, Paul Thomas Anderson doing, no, uh, sorry. Wes Wes Anderson doing Inherent Vice, right? Like that is the first sort of big book adaptation uh, written that had a huge impact on uh, a certain segment of the population. This is the similar mm-hmm. kind of story. Uh, you've mm-hmm. got a book that was really uh, had a huge cultural impact on the certain people, like uh, mostly uh, college students in the nineties falling into this book written by Don mm-hmm. DeLillo. Um I think what I was, the big variance for me seeing at home versus seeing it at Middleburg was, uh, again, sort of the second screening effect. The, the the We were so locked in to White Noise because it was such a big deal to see it there. Noah Bombach was there, came out at the beginning, thanked people for showing up. They gave him an award. He did a QA and a afterwards. It, it really heightened the whole experience. I think, uh, not taking away from it, but this film has three major segments. Yeah. Before the event, the event, and then the post event. And, and I think that the, the middle segment of the movie, in my opinion, works the best. Uh, Mm -hmm. the actual event section and seeing that in a very dark theater with the audience reacting to it was powerful. And I think there was so much hype for everybody going into this film that it even probably played better. Uh, and the first sequence had more impact because we had just seen Noah Baumbach and seen him receive an award. And now we were watching him, his, his brand new film. So I think mm-hmm. uh, that's the thing I'm taking away from a lot of my experiences at Middleburg is I almost have to shave like half a star off of everything because of the excitement of, seeing these films in that environment. Um, hmm. I, I think I, I, I loved the experience of seeing this film and I think it was a good experience. I don't think I love the film. Uh, and I it's think seeing thing. it a second time, very similarly, I, I love the characters. I love some of the, the s- sequences. I think there's, there are things I will, I will forever be laughing about. There's silly aspects in the trailer. You see the, the station wagon end up in a river, and there's a really great scene where like the kids are all, everybody's bickering in the car. And finally, you know, literally Adam driver's like, is anybody going to say anything about the fact that we're going sideways down a river? Like th- it feels almost like uh national lampoonzy like in the, in its handling of some of the comedy, uh, which doesn't feel like a Noah Bomback film. So I think that's an interesting aspect we get here is Noah's really flexing a lot of muscles that are outside of his normal, like milieu. Um, the, the big action sequences that, that, that these are not things that he's done before. And yeah, seeing him I, on a big screen I, was huge, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, um, uh, my, so my, my experience has only been the the small screen and I got to say like, uh, like I was captivated. I, I really, really enjoyed this movie because I didn't know, didn't know anything, um, going into it. Um, I, I knew that you had seen it and I knew that we were going to review it. So I was like, okay, got to watch this. It's a, you know, kudos also to, to 2022 being the the year of longer movies. Cause this is a little bit of a longer movie, but yeah. I was, I was, I was, there was so much about this movie that I really, really enjoyed. I think first and foremost, um, for me, like I, I loved, I mean, to me, this is written like a stage play. Yes. and i think it that the dialogue is delivered like a stage play whereas like there's no time there's no air between anything it's like bam 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 it's very it's very kind of um it clips along and i and, and they're saying a lot of like they're saying like huge ideas sometimes but like they're just like laser focused going for it and the, like you there's no like you know like um there's no like thinking time it's just like they're 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 talking they're thinking as they're talking which is yep. always something that they say like especially in in theater where it's like think on the line um and and i think that that's like throughout the entire movie and i thought it was just captivating to see it and i thought that it was really cool to see um camera moves that were choreographed to hit certain like you know like they're going through a big crowd and the camera is moving and you're getting the dialogue from like you know like the supporting cast like as it's going around i thought that was just fantastic you know there's like not to use a problematic name but like it was very like there was a a woody allen feel to it um like in it like with kind of refocused you know um Mm -hmm. to not be so woody allen but yet be a little woody allen um uh yeah i i um and just like the world that they, that 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 this movie is is just like absurd where yeah where um uh um oh my god I'm, I'm blanking on his name Adam Driver um, Adam Driver is he is the number 1 professor of Hitler studies in in America and there's a Hitler convention coming to the the college on the hill in which he is the professor at um and there's another professor who wants to teach a whole uh, class about Elvis Presley. It's just like there are there are very strange things that happen in this movie, and I loved every second of it. And it's a, <laughs> I think that you you can't classify this movie easily. It's not necessarily a comedy, but it's funny. It's not necessarily a drama, but there are very moving parts. It's not, it's absurdist. It's it's there's action in this movie. There are a lot of things that I think are very Spielbergian. If that's a word. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, the way that he shoots the event. So the middle of this film is really... uh, The movie opens with this table setting of what the world is, right? And you see the world that we're inhabiting. And then all of a sudden, there's a train crash. So a tractor trailer gets hit by a train and it creates what is called... Eventually becomes an airborne toxic event. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way that shot feels... (laughs) So for me what it got me was it felt like I was watching someone homaging the way Spielberg does screen sets like uh mm-hmm. how he stages things it almost to the way that I saw like JJ Abrams uh uh a- Abrams doing in like uh what was the movie uh, that was named after uh, the ki- it was the kids movie where right. a creature it, it was
1: his his homage to ET, I know what you're talking right. about. Right,
0: um, and it felt that, that watching it again reminded me so much of of that of, of of how much these directors have been influenced by Spielberg's style and his cinematographer. Um, and that's what uh, is really amazing because Noah Noah ba- Baumbach talked about um, not at Middleburg, but on an interview I listened to him uh, discuss the fact that this is the second film that he's had a, a choreographer. Uh, for non-dance scenes. So mm. uh, the sequence that takes place at the very beginning where the family is all in the kitchen and, and kitchen dining area is so tight. Uh, they move through the space. They're talking over one another there. Um, but he talked about the fact that they like rehearsed that for like a week for that one scene because he wanted it to just feel like it flowed. Like they know how to move around one another. So mm. it just became second nature for them to be. But that all came out of him working with a choreographer in his last film and how much it impacted uh, the way he now tells stories. I think going yeah. forward, you'll see more of that. I, I think one thing that I've picked up by watching Noah Baumbach's films is he is a director that is learning on every film and, and bringing a new bag of tricks every time. Right. Right. He's tackling. Growth. Yeah, he's, yeah. He is growing visually as a storyteller in every film he takes on. And this is the yes. first film that's had action in it. That's had a big explosion. That's had, you know, all of that the, is, is not yeah. the things that he's been known for. And, and that it, this is mm. a huge swing taking on a book that is so revered. And also that is outside of his wheelhouse, like not telling the story himself, not writing the story himself, adapting somebody else's work, taking on a huge budget, at a hundred million dollar film, right? That, he's never done any of this before and and it's mm-hmm. it's a huge success even if it yeah. wasn't uh a, a film i i think is going to win an oscar it mm. it's it's beautifully shot that's the other thing like the production design on this movie is unbelievable yeah. um the amp that you walk into is it's 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 unfathomable how much time the set decorators had to put into that amp uh, mm-hmm. It's just like a warehouse sized AMP where everything is perfect. Every every line is crisp. Every shelf is perfect, right? Uh, it, it's it's it, mind blowing how much work went into the, the production design.
1: You know, it's so interesting because there's a moment in in the AMP where they go down an aisle and and every everything in that aisle is in a white package with just a word on it. And I kind of remember like my father loved to shop at. In this area, I don't know if you had in, in New York, or you know, like Pathmark Yeah, was like he loved to shop at Pathmark. Like it was actually not the closest grocery store, but for some reason, my father always loved to shop at Pathmark. So he would take me and like there was always a section and it was like and I kind of remember like very basic cans and bags that I guess maybe they were. That was the Pathmark brand, but it was very always very interesting. Yeah. Um, so that kind of was very brought me back to to a place that I that I appreciated. Yeah, the uh, the there's something like also I mean I, may, I I've never read the book, so I don't know how much how well this is um, you know, like if if a lot of these events are in the book or, or anything, but there there was like something almost Monty Python esque about the movie. Mm-hmm. Like the level of absurdity that yeah. that that is in this, but with like an elegance, and I guess like yeah, like it, uh, absurdists are usually very cerebral, and, I, and and you know it's like I don't know. I was just very captivated and very like I, I was very happy that this was was on our docket for review um, because it kind of it was a nice surprise for me. I wasn't I wasn't ready for it.
0: Um, I, I want to spend a few minutes talking about the casting. I, I think uh, the, the the story I heard is that Noah Baumbach sent a copy of the book to Adam driver. And three days later, Adam called him and was like, when are we making this? Um, and can my wife?
1: I want that kind of relationship with with, with the director. Um,
0: I, I think the casting is really great. I, I think it's a big swing for Adam driver. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, he's a guy who takes big swings. Uh they're, they're you know i think martin, Sc- martin scorsese recently said that adam driver is the actor of his generation um i mm-hmm. think we're starting to see more and more him just constantly knocking it out of the park no matter what he's in um he's the best part of most movies he's a part of uh is the way i would put it and honestly i love greta gerwig getting back in front of the camera uh she mm-hmm. her her portrayal of babette in this movie is really of like a woman who is adrift yet connected to her husband and her kids she plays this like almost ethereal quality of of like a fairy-like woman who is there and is not there at the same time i and and i think it's really charming i think uh, i i also love her the the physical transformations they both go through like adam driver having a little punch and and but like playing physical his physicality in the movie is so interesting and so is hers like having her in like sweatpants that are a little over uh, sweatsuits that are a little oversized and the the crinkle cut Mm. hair right of the 80s so much fun um and Don Cheadle as Murray uh is it's fantastic I mean he opens the movie uh you don't realize like if you think back to it right he's he's doing a, a lecture on car crashes and how American car crashes are are about like Americana, and and you know they all have a positive spin. Mm-hmm. It's an unbelievable monologue that he's giving at the beginning, but this movie has a lot of those type of monologues, like the the back and forth between Adam Driver's character and Don Cheadle's character, where they're uh, where they're having a lecture about Elvis and Hitler and how
1: at the same time, yeah, yeah,
0: and they sort of are overlapping so much. Uh, you know, it's it's a little on the nose, but so much of the dialogue feels like you're creating white noise. Right, that's mm. what's ha- like the family unit when they're all. St- it's it's a constant buzz when all the kids mm-hmm. are talking and and Babette's getting involved and then you know and then Jack is you know it, it's it's really interesting how much white noise uh, I, I was I, especially on second viewing how much of it is like this crescendo of sound that's happening mm-hmm. all the time and and you know the scenes with Murray and Jack you know having a single lecture where they're both lecturing about two different topics. Uh, and yeah. how they're distinct yet overlapping and, and the way the audio is captured. I think the sound engineering on this movie is unbelievable. Uh, it it really makes a huge difference. And then the score, right? Danny Elfman's score running throughout this movie. And then the final song of LCD Sound System, like literally having Noah contact the the, the band and say like, I'd like you to write a, an upbeat song for me to end this film with. And he talked about shooting it. That was one of the things I heard at Middleburg uh, they started shooting the final sequence without the music. They, it, it wasn't yet available, but he knew it was going to wow. be upbeat. So they shot all these scenes that eventually made up sort of the the finale uh, without mm-hmm. the actual beat. It was going to be
1: connected. They were probably to. like just they probably just knew what beats per minute it was going to be, and just like you know.
0: Well, it's an flicker, LCD sound system song, so you have sort of a, a huge catalog to base your assumptions against. Right. Um, uh, but he also yeah. told him like, I want it to be upbeat and I want it to be from you. So like, yeah. I'm sure Noah had a couple of ideas of what songs he was trying to reference, but yeah, it was interesting. They didn't even have the music to to start shooting that final sequence.
1: Yeah. I mean, if this, if I had watched this last year, this would have been on my list of like favorite things. It's just, uh, yeah, it was like a really interesting, different movie, nothing like anything else that I think I saw, um, and i i definitely want to watch it again because i i was so of all of everything else i was just like so into the dialogue and just yeah. like the delivery of the dialogue from like top like top to bottom like the kids in this movie are fantastic like everyone is working at the top of their game in this in this movie and um and yeah it's just, it was really enjoyable it's 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 not something that i think you can just kind of like crack a beer and like slouch back and just like kind of turn on it's like you have to be an active participant in yes. this movie and that's maybe and sometimes that's not for everybody. Um, but I had a great time kind of like engaging with the movie and, and trying to follow along and like try to guess a little bit where it's going to go and then being completely wrong or this or that. Um, it was it was uh, it was a great experience.
0: Um, I think the last thing we should call out is all, all of the the child actors are fantastic. Uh. Um, raffy cassidy as denise is uh, is sparring with greta gerwig and adam driver and and back back and forth like the you know uh heinrich who's played by sam uh Novala N- 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 navala uh, is spends so much time being the centerpiece uh of the family um especially when they get to uh the camp and he's sort of telling everybody what's happening he's 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 living under his father's wing of being a teacher and, and uh, it, it's, it, it's unreal watching these kids really just sing and, and steal scenes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say Raffi Cassidy is, in a less complicated year for best supporting actress, she could have gotten a nod coming out of this film. Mm. Um, I think she's, she's great. So, so many uh, aspects of it. Uh, feel like you've, you've turned a corner of, of like, Seeing somebody for the first time. She she walks around wearing that visor, and the visor becomes like almost her totem, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a blast. There's so much fun being had by everybody on the set. And I think that was the thing I took away from Middleburg, is is Noah Pomback talked so positively about this film and about how much fun he had and mm-hmm. getting a chance to direct Adam again and to to work with his wife. And you know, like it's it just There's, there's fun being had on the set and I feel like it comes through even in the little aspects of the family interacting with one another, you know, they're, they're playing characters that are, yeah, have a familial collection connection, but I, I also feel like their connection as actors to one another is obvious, um, how, how well they interact, how well they can dance with one another in those scenes verbally and physically moving in the same space. And also all the stuff that takes place in the car is just so fun. uh, And I think it's very different than anything else I've ever seen. Uh, And I do think it was one of my favorite experiences at Middleburg for sure.
1: Great. And, you know, also I haven't really been following his career, but kudos to seeing Andre 3000 on the screen again. It's um, like, I think, I think he's been pretty consistently working as an actor now, but you know, it's pretty cool. So,
0: yeah. And his, I mean, the final sequence has uh, is a big musical number where there's a lot of mm-hmm. people dancing, and honestly, uh, Andre is so good. And that's like just the the few seconds you see of him, you can feel his energy as an as a performer, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's obvious. Uh, it just oozes off the screen that he is Captain Charisma um, yeah. in, in his in his little scenes that he's in in this movie.
1: Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I think uh, if you haven't checked it out yet and you're looking for something to kind of uh, challenge you as a viewer to, to stay engaged, um, uh, check it out. Definitely.
0: Yeah, uh, I would say uh, this is sort of uh, one of the last films I think we're going to be reviewing. That was at Middleburg. Uh, my hope for next week is uh, I'm going to have less time to watch things. I think John and I have talked a little bit. Uh, we, we may uh, have a main review of Megan next week. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm, excited. I'm so excited to tackle this film. Everybody is, uh, is buzzing about it right now. Um, I was, hopeful. I'm surprised
1: that you're excited. My friend, this doesn't seem like a Robbie film. Uh,
0: it, it's a PG 13 dark horror comedy is what it sounds like. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in, uh, I, awesome. I can't wait to see I'm excited. it. I, the thing that makes me sad is I was going to try to sneak away and see it yesterday, But the AMC, all the theaters near me were only showing it after 5 p.m. So there were no daytime showings at all. And I was going to try. They were honoring
1: the honoring the technically it opens on Friday, but you can see it on Thursday situation.
0: Yeah. If there had been like a two o'clock showing yesterday, I would have snuck away and saw it yesterday. Uh, That's how excited I am to see this movie. Uh, The buzz that's coming out from uh, I mean, as of right now on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's a 94 percent. It's it's crazy how high the ratings are for this film
1: Bloomhouse had a good year too last year yeah they did yeah.
0: <laughs> um so. so that's it for us this week uh look forward to chatting with you next week john uh megan should be a blast and uh thank you so much for uh digging into this film with me and and all the shorts that was a surprise uh yeah i wasn't expecting to get involved with the shorts this early But uh, all of a sudden I was like, I have a little bit of time and I would, and the shortlist came out. So I was like, let me see what I can find. And then you were game and you jumped in and watched a lot of shorts with me. So uh, thanks so much. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, thanks for listening, everybody. uh, And see you next week.
0: See ya. This has been a Geek on Film podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.